SV Pod is presented by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app. Welcome in. It's SV Pod. Luke Combs is our guest. Really fun conversation about a whole bunch of stuff. Some sports, too. Massive Carolina hoop fan, Carolina Panthers fan, etc. Songwriting, award-winning, all that stuff. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, the time we spent with him. And he referenced Stanford Steve the Monday night game. It was an all-timer, 47-42, the final, as Baltimore comes back and beats Cleveland in an absolute epic. The Lamar Jackson leaving the field, did he or didn't he? Boop town! He says he didn't. Whatever. He comes back on the field, throws a fourth and five touchdown, late safety after pitchy-pitchy woo-woo. Steve, we've been doing this a while. Mm. I feel like that was the all-timer. Yeah, you don't have the ability with your phone or computer when you're sitting at the desk, you're sitting at the desk for waiting for the game to get over. And I'm trying to do a couple things, you know, before the show starts. And it's just, you wonder how many people are watching. And then like, you, you know, that not everybody on social media, or I should say not everybody watching is on social media, but man, it sure felt like everybody had the Browns last night. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh, my God. Um, I want to go back. The fourth and five call is incredible because I'm sitting there watching him. He obviously looks fine. If he got his IV, he's ready to go. He grabs his helmet like, I'm ready to go. I would have, If I was a defensive coordinator for the Browns, I would have done everything that it looked like they did. I thought he was going to run the ball. I thought the ball was going to be in his hands, and he was going to run it. And – the setup they have, and then obviously the two Browns guys collide, and and Brown, you know, makes the play. But that is just the situation. Like, and I also want to go back to McSorley. McSorley on that drive makes a huge third down throw. Um, to I want to say it was Sneed on the Brown sideline. Without that, there's no fourth and five play. And shout out to Trace McSorley. I can't imagine coming in on that spot, and I really hope, um, you know, he he. He, he gets better as soon as he can because it obviously didn't look good. I haven't seen no. anything that came out today. No, it was brutal. And then all the stuff that happened after that fourth and five is just crazy. You said it. They scored with too much time. The Browns come down and score. They scored with too much time, you say it. And we end up with safety to end the game. Well, I mean, to me, there's just there's so much so many layers to it because the – Cleveland is 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 the convenient punchline, and Cleveland mm-hmm. Browns specifically, right? They they've their history. It's Biner fumbling. It's all of the quarterbacks on the, the back drive. of that one jersey. It's it's yeah. the drive. It's just it's heartbreak, heartbreak, heartbreak. It's all the talk last year, which was premature. You and I are both fans of Freddie Kitchens. It didn't work, mm-hmm. and now this year under Stefanski. Uh, there's no need or reason to talk about anything in their past as it relates to right now because it doesn't. Like no. they com- they competed last night. They're down 14, come back, tie the game. Down seven late, come back, tie the game. But as it turns out, I mean, Lamar Jackson, who hadn't thrown the ball well all night, only had six completions prior to the fourth and five throw, completed five passes after he came back out after the trip to the locker room where he says he wasn't Paul Pierce. Poor Paul Pierce is just sitting around minding his own business, and all of a sudden we got to reference me having got to reference me having messy butt. Why we got to do that? Why, why I'm a Hall of Famer, bro? Mm-hmm. Why is that got to be my that's got to be my legacy? But the um, the game was was just it was spectacular because it was two good teams. The stakes were high. The atmosphere, having fans, even though it wasn't filled, having those fans, you couldn't have asked for more. And then, because you and I are familiar with stakes and wagering, Mm -hmm. when Tucker comes out on the field, you look at the clock. Because if you're a gambler, you know it doesn't take seven seconds to kick a 55-yarder. And you know if he makes it, it means there's just enough time for Cleveland to attempt pitchy-pitchy-woo-woo. And... The problem with pitchy pitchy woo woo is what it what it mostly does is successfully have you going thirty yards backwards and then the other team recovering the football. It's just a question of where. It's to me, and I'm glad people are uh, finally acknowledging that uh, 
we came up with Pitchy Pitchy Boo Boo. I, I appreciate Nagandi and Booger. And those guys used it Saturday. We invented uh, for it. For the Ball State play. We did. We invented it. Uh, you could start the shirts, print the shirts. Um, yeah, I t- we were talking about this on the set last night um, while we are waiting for the math uh, to be done. And Pitchy Pitchy Woo Woo, you need at least 35 yards because you saw what happens. And when Landry throws the ball across the field, I thought Patrick Queen was going to intercept that right there. But no, I think it was Higgins pops up and catches it in front of him. Queen throws him to the ground. He actually did fumble. And the ball just keeps going back, ends up in Higgins' hands, and Landry just is in no man's land in the back of the end zone. So, what you get the ball to 25, right, now on the NFL in a touchback? Yep, 25. So, there you go. They Landry ends the game 35 yards behind the line of scrimmage. So, the question I have and the question I ask you every time we watch it, will it ever go away? No. No, and this is the big – and it doesn't – the NFL doesn't care. But from a gambling perspective, if, if you have the dog in that situation, you could you could lose in horrifying fashion because that's the play. And in, in the past, teams would just sort of try – I don't know what they try. I guess they drop back and throw it as far as they could. And now the idea is, well, we're not going to win, but this is our best chance to at least give ourselves some miracles uh, – a miracles yeah. chance – and no, it's not going to end. This is what happens now, and it happens all the time. Uh, it happened on a Monday night game between Washington and the Kansas City Chiefs yeah. where Washington gave up a touchdown on the last play of the game, uh, and it was the same kind of a deal. So, I mean, no, this is, the, this is what happens now. I, I feel like Northwestern against Ohio State, they're in the montage in the yeah. famous Musburger line. You've got to be kidding me. Like, that's where it feels like it started, and now everybody does it. It basically doesn't work, and – more often than not, it feels like it ends. It, it results in the other team scoring some kind of BS touchdown or safety. So it, it would have been a push, by the way. I mean, it was three. Yeah. yeah. You know, and after that, that felt like it's a long way to go for a push. But I tell you what, if you're a Browns fan or if you had a, a Browns backer, a long way to go for a push beats the hell out of a long way to go to lose on a safety on the last play of the game after pitchy pitchy woo woo. Yeah, and imagine if you were smart enough to take the Browns and buy it to three and a half. Oof. Yeah. Well, that's. that's- uh, bad the Ravens won with 47 points and 150 yards passing it was the first 47 42 score in the history of the NFL so there was a lot of sort of statistical anomalies it was the first game with nine touchdowns since 1922 who was at Rockville I don't know it might have been might have been in Sonia no one knows some fake team it wasn't real (laughs) let's talk to this maniac let's talk to the maniac Panthers fan okay Uh, We will get to Luke Combs in just a moment. First up, Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part, each transaction is a step towards a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code SVP. That's code SVP. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. And action. I want to thank Luke Combs as we get started here for taking the time. Um, We're talking about... One of the biggest stars, not in country music, not in any genre of music, in all of music. It has been it's been your world for the past few years, and it has continued. Um, what you see ain't always what you get. Yields yet another string of number one hits, and this year, Luke, in so many ways, has just sucked. Yeah. But for but for you, you get married to your best friend. The string of number one hits continues as the year comes to a close. Like how how can you best sort of des- describe the the space you're existing in at the moment? Yeah, you know, I, I don't ever want to be anything but thankful, I think, you know, and, and um, so there, there's, you know, there's part of me that wants to go, oh, well, this and that, but like, I'm in no position to complain about anything, you know, like mm-hmm. I've got, you know, my dream job, you know, like you said, I got married to my wonderful wife this year, um, 2020 has brought a lot of really great things mm-hmm. to me, which is a very strange um uh, place to be in and there I think there's some I think there's some inherent guilt associated with that in a lot of ways you know which uh, once again I don't blame anybody for not having any sympathy for um, 
because there's a lot of people who obviously have it uh, a heck of a lot worse than I do right now. Um, but just thankful is all I'm trying to be, you know, and, and just appreciative of, of the blessings that I have and, um, and in, enjoy it while it lasts and, and uh, work my butt off to make sure it lasts as long as it can. I hear that. My grandma had an idea that if you, you stay grateful, you stay blessed. That was sort of her, her way of looking at the world. I think yeah. the, minute you, the minute you start taking things for granted is when the, you could start tripping up. But given the way you got where you got, it would seem, Luke, to, to be hard to be anything other than grateful. I mean, this story, and I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if, you get, if it gets old or you get tired of telling it, but I mean, just the idea of a guy that's going to write some songs and you're down is, is the is the 200 bucks like down to your last 200 bucks to master a song called hurricane that changes your entire life like is that what it was like that's like putting yeah. your last chip on like yeah. a, a roulette number and you spin it and it hits yeah and i think it was it definitely was i mean it was like that was it it was like when i broke it boiled it down to like what can we actually afford to do it was like my producer at the time scott was like hey it costs 200 bucks a song to do this and I said, well, I have enough to do one song. And I didn't even have enough to like go in really and do any vocals at all, any more vocals than we had. So all I had was the scratch vocals from those five or six songs. So when we went down to do it, it was like, well, Hurricane is the one that's the most done sounding one. It wasn't like we were, it wasn't like we were like, man, this is the song that's going to do it. It was like, I know that at least... 20 people will buy this thing. You know what I mean? Like, someone's <laughs> going to buy it if I put it out. You know what I mean? So my, yeah, my folks, people. my friends, I got, tw I got 20. I got, yeah, but then it's, I know, yeah. but then it was 15,000, 15,000 people. And I, yeah. so, so, so help me understand. Cause I don't have the slightest idea how that works. Like with how you find out how many people, but, but you've got to be, you got to get some real quick feedback. Like, Holy this is like, look at what's happening. So as right. that, as you're realizing that that is happening, do you understand that your whole life just turned? I don't know if I understood it. I, so here was the interesting thing is that when I was living in North Carolina and, and putting songs out, like I was traveling back and forth to Nashville, recording some songs that I wrote, putting them out. And then I was using that money to, you know, exist off of that was my job. And then I was playing shows, you know, not making really any money playing shows while I was doing, while the songs I was selling were making money. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to Nashville and I, you know, I still was making residual income from those songs and that was enough to not have to work. And I was writing songs and then put Hurricane out. It sells 15,000 in the first week. At that point, I'm unaware that that's even an impressive thing. Uh -huh. Because in, in North Carolina, that I had kind of consistently been doing that for two years and going, okay, well, that's what, just what everybody's doing. So now I've got to sell, you know, 15 million or whatever right. to be Luke Bryan or whatever it is. You know what I mean? Uh -huh. And um, so really when that happened, it was like I didn't have a, a you know, a manager. I didn't have a booking deal i didn't i didn't have anything going on i didn't have a publishing deal i had nothing i was just writing songs with buddies i'd met at writers nights and i'd met scott moffitt and we you know did them songs together um and that was it like nobody once that happened nobody called and said hey it's it's johnny bigwig here and you're the guy you know old what I Johnny, mean? It was, old Johnny Bigwig yeah, on the line. Yeah. Well, so okay, so then, so then what? So then, what did happen? Because obviously, whether you got the call or not from Johnny Bigwig, like yeah. they, they, somebody immediately was like, "Well, hold on a second. This guy's got that thing, that that undefinable thing." So how'd that yeah. happen? I think it was. I don't. It was more like. So a buddy of mine was out doing some shows around town and, and, you know, went, he went and did a run in Florida and stuff and invited me to go out, played acoustic with him. Uh, and you know, that led to him saying, Hey, I've got a, he had a thing called a showcase, which was, he had a team of folks that was inviting people in the music industry to come and watch in hopes that they would sign to a booking deal or a record deal, whatever that may be, you uh -huh. know, to kind of like an, an ex an exhibition of like hey here's this guy like i'm available almost like a draft combine i guess 
Right. Like you and go. You, you ran at, a four. You ran right. a four two forty, my man. Right. And you're like, man, you really sang that one, and you sang that one in under three minutes. That was impressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but anyways, what happened is he asked me to come play that, and I think there was four bands playing. I was the first person to go, and I played by myself, like acoustic, if I remember correctly. And if not, it was really stripped down. It was like me and two or three get three guys playing kind of acoustic. And I got backstage, and there was a, a small booking agency that I'm no longer at called APA, and those guys were, were back there. And they said, hey, do you want us to start booking you some shows? And I said, I would love that because I've been playing for, you know, forever. You know, I've been playing for a couple of years now, and um, I'm ready to get back. You can't make any money playing shows in Nashville. That's just, you know, it's just not possible. You have to go somewhere else to make mm -hmm. money and play. And uh when you start out, you still aren't making any money in those places either. So that happened. I met my manager, long story short, he had never managed anybody before. I met him through a, a mutual friend of ours. Um, and he essentially quit a, you know, six figure job and blew his entire life savings to move to Nashville, uh, and manage me. Uh, he didn't make, he didn't take a commission until I could, you know, pay my band and pay myself and, um, so we really bet on each other in that sense, you know. That's that's so cool. You said that you said the exact thing because I, I I know you're a big sports guy. And we'll talk some about that. But there's a guy that plays for the Raptors, Fred Van Vliet. Yeah. Okay, he came out of Wichita State, didn't get drafted, and his thing at his draft party that night was that we're good. I'm I'm betting on myself. And right. Fred gets to the league, became an NBA champion, got a deal, and got the bag. Like he got the yeah. big bag this year. And to me, yeah. my favorite thing, Luke, in life. And, and I feel like to a degree, I've had chances to do that in my – it's different. I, I'm not comparing myself to Fred Van Vliet or to you. But whoever you are and whatever you do, you got to bet on yourself. And then if you get yeah. lucky and you get that chip, you better double down and keep doubling down because yeah. that's how you can get a stack. And, and that's that yeah. sounds like that's what you and your team have done. Yeah, definitely. You know, it was um, – you know, everybody on my team was really kind of – underdog type figures, yeah. I think, which we loved, you know, um, I, I definitely, when I moved to town, there was a lot of people that were like, well, you're destined to just be a songwriter for these bigger artists because you're not, you know, you don't look the part you're not. And I said, I said, we're talking about country music here. Yeah. If anybody looks the part, it's me. <laughs> the other guys don't look the part. That's the problem. Yeah. I'm not the guy that's the problem here. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, uh, for sure. You throw these other guys at the Jiffy Lube, they're going to look out of place. You put me in the Jiffy Lube, you're going to think I'm managing the son of a bitch. Now, I was, I would ask you what you got for $69.99. That's what I'd ask you for. Yeah. Now, I'm looking over your shoulder, and I see we, – we talk about on our show the boys from Boone at App State, and that's where you went. I know my guy Steve wants to take you back to that time because there's that's part of the story too. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. App State, huge, huge influence. Um uh, on me, man. I was there for, I lived in Boone for six years and didn't graduate. So, you know, uh, that was great. My parents were really proud of me on that one. You know? <laughs> the line of bouncer to singer. Yeah. I need to know what that conversation was like when you're a bouncer and you're it's like, is that just, Hey, I'm gonna have 25 Miller lights tonight. And I'm gonna go tell my boss, Hey, I'm a better singer than what you got playing up there. How did that happen? The thing that happened was there was – so if you can imagine this strip mall that I lived in, there's mm -hmm. a bar on the left that was called Town Tavern. The middle was a tanning salon, and the right was a Domino's Pizza, if you're looking at the building, right? <laughs> so there's a staircase on the left side that goes around to the back of the building where there's seven apartments mm -hmm. that are up above the strip mall, like in the attic of the businesses. So I lived in one of those and was a bouncer in the bar on the left, right? <laughs> get down there, get a job, needed a job. I had two jobs. I was working at an IZOD store at an outlet okay. mall, folding shirts nice. and bouncing. Um, and this is kind of, you know, right at the end of my tenure as an actual student uh -huh. and more of my time as like a, like a townie type uh, figure, I guess. Yep. I wanted to believe I was still a student. I think at those time at that time, you know, you're yeah, like, I'll, do. I'll get back in school. I'll be back in and <laughs> I'll be a student again and do that thing. But anyways, I'm downstairs. Uh, I had gotten to know the owner of the bar really well. And I had been playing guitar for about a year at that time had taught myself and, 
and had always been a singer, had always just gravitated towards that, always enjoyed it. And it was something I was really confident in of my ability to do. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't ever – the thing I was self-conscious about was my guitar playing. And so gotcha. it was like – but I knew that – I believed that my voice was good enough to where if I could sing good enough every night, nobody would even notice the guitar playing. So I went in to my boss and I said, hey – I said, you know, I've been singing around and stuff and I hadn't played any shows at this point. I'd just been singing in my living room and putting some stuff up on YouTube and Facebook, like really early stuff mm-hmm. at that point. And, um, and I said, Hey man, you should let me do a show here, you know? And he said, well, we're not allowed to do shows because there's seven apartments upstairs. <laughs> and in our lease, it says we can't have live music. And I said, well, so little do you know that I live upstairs. I know everyone that lives upstairs and I guarantee you they would all be downstairs if we had a concert. And so he still wouldn't agree to that. Um, so I, I played rugby in my time at app and uh, we had a bar that was kind of across the street. That's no longer there um, that we hung out at a lot. Uh, and so I went over there a couple of days later, asked the owner who, uh, who I also knew. And I said, Hey, I said, let me do. He was a little more loose of a guy <laughs> for lack of a, a, a socially acceptable term. He was a loose uh, guy and kind of kind of rolled with whatever was going on at the bar. Not a lot of rules. Right. <laughs> Not a lot of rules at the at the at the Parthenon Cafe. Uh, Parthenon. And so he said there was a calendar on the wall. He was like, just go pick a day that doesn't have anything on it and just write it on there. And I'm like, perfect. So I did that. We charged a dollar a ticket for that show. It was a few weeks later, two weeks later or something. Charged a dollar a ticket. 200 people came to see my first show. People that I'd known from my time up there, friends. And and so I made 200 bucks that night. And that was more than I made at both of my jobs. And I said, one, I had a lot better of a time than I did at my jobs. Mm-hmm. Two, I made more money. So that 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 adds up. So I went back across the street to the bar that I worked at. And I said, look, here's the deal. I said, you wouldn't let me do a show here. I said, I went across the street to a bar that's, you know, a direct competitor of of your business. And I brought 200 people in there on a Wednesday. I said, I can bring 200 people in there on, on a Wednesday, or I can bring 200 people in here on a Wednesday. And this place can't even fit 200 people. Mm. So you decide what you want me to do. And I can either play there or I can play here. And so I had a weekly gig playing at the bar that I was a bouncer at for the rest of my time in Boone from that conversation, which transitioned to, and he opened a bar in Blowing Rock, which I also played. I probably had three or four standing gigs a week in Boone uh, and then shows on the weekends uh, around, you know, Charlotte, Raleigh, Greenville, South Carolina, um, you know, anywhere that would, that, that we could play. I mean, we were going and doing that and, you know, we were 21, 22 years old, you know, making two, $3,000 a week or something playing. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. did the cover charge go up from $1? <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> well, we would do a lot of gigs we would do too, is they would just pay us a flat rate and then they would not charge a cover. You know, they'd pay us, you know, four or $500. And then they would just not charge a cover at the door. And so then we didn't, that was even better. Cause then you don't really have to worry about, you know, if nobody shows up, then you still get four or $500. It's not your fault really at that point. So, but then once the shows start increasing, you go, well, I would rather do a cover charge. Cause now there's a line of people out the door. Mm-hmm. I'd be rather charging, be charging $5 a head as opposed to getting $500. Cause the $5 a head might be more than that $500 plus tips, you know? Yeah. And then you get to Nashville and the stark reality of, well, you want to go play on Broadway? Well, you don't get paid to do that. <laughs> this is your big chance, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. This is your chance to get seen. But it's like, I don't think, you know, your average bachelorette party from Kansas City is going to be giving you a record deal because that's who's at the bars on Broadway is, you know, people who are in town. It's like the Vegas crowd kind of, you know, there's no record executives going into a bar on Broadway going, this is the guy we found him. Here he is. We've been looking for him. We found him, you know? So. Yeah. But, and like now 
you sell out arenas. I mean, the, the story you told on Marty and McGee was so so cool uh, about what you sold out Rupp faster than anybody that ever sold out Rupp. Isn't that the story? Yes. I th- hold on. I got it right here. Let me see. What do you got? I think I, I think I still hold. Well, I definitely still hold this record because it happened on Valentine's Day and nobody's played since then. But wow, so that's, that's cool. In the history of Rupp Arena, February 14th, 2020. Yeah. Fastest out in 44 year history. That's pretty cool. That's really cool. And and in I, I wonder as an artist, and, and and the stories you tell, like what a great story. The tanning salon, the bar, and the dominoes in Boone. <laughs> I mean, I can I can see it in my and there you are living above it, right? And mm-hmm. you start you and you organically create this music and, and, a, and a fan base and all the rest. But like the idea, I don't care if it's Rupp Arena and it's sold out or it's the, the tavern or whatever you told them, yeah, the, right. Parthenon and Boone. Like yeah, live music is a connection to your audience. And yeah. how much, Luke, have you missed 20,000 people singing your song back to you just to be in that space? Like, I can't imagine how, that, that can't be replaced. Like sports with no fans sucks. But just how much have you yeah. as a performer missed that? I mean, it's tremendous. You know, I mean, I think. I think for us that, you know, the, th- the thing with, with sports is that you have that drive as a competitor to, uh-huh. to beat your opponent. Right. And in, in a lot of ways, there, there is that in music, but that doesn't take place on stage, you know. It right. takes place when you're writing your songs or when you're, you know, you want to be the best. And that, that takes place in the studio or, or wherever it takes. But when you go out there for a show, the only – the only reason you're there is because someone else is there. You know what I mean? Like I do mm-hmm. enjoy playing music here at home or, or sitting around picking guitar, but I don't do that a lot because the reason I do it is for the fans. Like I don't do it to just toot my own horn and go, man, aren't I, man, I sound good. Don't I you know? I mean, that's, <laughs> you know, there's nothing satisfying about that to me. You know, at, at, like sitting at home and doing a cover of somebody else's song and nobody's going to see it. I mean, that's fun for a little bit. And then you now, go, when you, did, you, you put out that you did Fast Car by Tracy Chapman. People love yeah. that. Yeah, that no. Awesome. and I Yeah. But that's the thing, I think, is you're doing it for other people to love. I got I got you. For yourself to love, you know, and so it's impossible to get that thing on stage. Right. You know? Is that the most fired up you ever were before going on a stage at Rupp? I don't know, man. That's tough. Um, I mean, Red Rocks is pretty hard to beat. Yeah. How many people are at Red Rocks? It's only it's under ten thousand. Like yeah, ninety five hundred or ninety eight hundred or something, I believe. But it looks crazy because of the looks, visual. Yeah, and it's very steep. It was, it, man. Red Rocks is insane. You know, uh, you play the backstage is like in the mountain, like it's <laughs> carved out of the rocks you know mm-hmm. and so you're in your green room and there's like these massive like boulder features like inside of the room you know like it's it's just it's hard to you know explain like the i don't know it's kind of in a lot of ways it's like the madison square garden of music even though madison square garden is also the madison square garden <laughs> you know there's no other way to kind of like dis, you know describe like the history of of playing there i mean the opry is another place that is like you know hard if for country music specifically you know mm-hmm. i mean that's, the where, Ryman, that, that's the where you Opry. met charlie pride right yeah yeah that's i met him uh, met him at the opry house uh probably a year and a half ago man and and uh He's a real sweet guy, man. And, and uh, legend, dude, absolute, absolute legend, and and just changed the game. I mean, for so many people, man. I mean, you know, busted the door open for a, a lot of folks. Now you, you are from Carolina, so does that make you? I think I have this right. You're a Carolina basketball fan, right? Yes. Yeah. Have you played the Dean Dome? No, I have not. I don't even know if they do live music. Like, I don't know if they, I, if it's a music venue or not. Because some places don't. I don't, don't think host. it is. Yeah, I don't. Think I don't it think. Either. I've never heard of anybody doing a show there. Uh huh. No. Who? I'm getting some no's out of my other Carolina there. fans here. All right, there you go. Now, give me, give me, like, in your fandom, like, okay, I'm from DC. I'm a Mar- I went to Maryland. I'm a Maryland guy. Like, if you ask me, what would be the thing you'd want as a fan? For me, it was Maryland basketball winning a title, and the Terps won one. And I'm, I would say, Luke, it's like a winter coat. Like, it might be old and raggedy, but yeah. that title keeps yeah. me warm. Yeah, Because we got one. Who for you is the team that you invest more emotionally than you feel like is reasonable? 
Oh, man. Number one, Carolina Panthers, Super Bowl. Got to happen. It's just two losses. It's just, uh, you know, like all these people that, oh, man, well, you know how hard it is to be a Bears fan. I'm like, you no, it's not that hard to be a Bears fan. Because you're used to winning and you're not that good this year. Right. Get the f- over it to me. It's like, <laughs> you want to talk about just endless depression? Call up the Detroit Lions or the Carolina Panthers, okay? Well, now hold on. Now hold yeah. on. Hold on. Do you don't, don't you dare put the Panthers and the Lions in the same sentence. How, like, who do you think you are putting the Panthers and the Lions? That is a whole different – those are decades different. longer, Luke. Decades longer. People in Detroit want to fight you. I don't know how many country music fans out there. country music fans everywhere, but you got to be careful because they're going to be on their list after that. Yeah. Well, you know, the Lions are uh, – it's definitely – there, there is no depression even close, really. No. I feel like to that uh, particular franchise, and it's unfortunate. Uh, so for you, it's the, for you, it's the Panthers. That's 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 that's. And then uh, is Carolina hooping the same sort of zip code or or what? To I mean, me, it's like they've been really good most of your life. Yeah. To me, it's Appalachian State football is right there Love with it. that. Um, just especially going, you know, making the jump to Division One. Yeah. You know, in in my kind of tenure. Uh, you know, I was a student there right before, um, right before they made the jump, and right after they won uh, the three national championships. So mm-hmm. the year they beat Michigan was my senior year of high school. High school, and that okay. Was their third one. Two thousand seven, right? Two thousand seven. Yep. Yeah, and then I guess technically they were champions in two thousand eight. Mm-hmm. They beat. Uh, I went to the championship game. They beat old old Joe Flacco in the Delaware Blue Hens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so it's that one for me is like, I think we're on the cusp of like, you know, I know we're not power five. And I think a goal for me as a sports fan and like someone of like some influence that went to school there is to like use whatever influence I have in my lifetime to help them make the jump to, a, to an ACC or I mean, last year we were the, you know, I mean, you could make the argument we're the best football team in the Carolinas last year besides Clemson, obviously. I mean, they beat Carolina, didn't they, in Chapel Hill? Beat Carolina in Chapel Hill, beat yeah. the Gamecocks in Columbia. I mean, which, I mean, we all know this year, ain't, that ain't no big task. This year, <laughs> last year. All due respect to the fine people. All due respect yeah. to Darius Rucker down there in Columbia. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, the, the, thing about, the thing about sports – Luke, is that I have found coaches particularly. You ask a coach about wins, they remember them. Like a coach has won a lot, they remember yeah. them. You ask them about losses, they can tell you specifically about oh, losses. Absolutely. Now, I look at the number of awards you've won, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not even going to get into them all because you win them all CMAs and this and that. I mean, it's long, it, album, entertainer, artist, I, the whole bit. You got probably a shelf somewhere with a ton of awards, but you didn't win a Grammy. For, in 2018 for the best new artist. And yep. at the time you wrote about it, you said I was mad. And, yep. and I thought, and I loved what you had to say because Luke, I have been nominated for uh, an Emmy for the best studio host and TV on a number of occasions. I think it's four or five times I'm over. And right. I want you to explain because it doesn't matter what I think, but I know what it feels like. They say the Grammy goes to, or they say the Emmy goes to, and there's a sp- a pregnant pause, two or three seconds, mm-hmm. and then they're going to say somebody's name. Yeah. When they don't say your name, what did that feel like to you in 2018? I mean, it was, you know, unfortunate. I mean, I think it was – you feel like a in that situation, man, like you feel like a long shot anyways. Um, I don't but you think, still want to win. Absolutely, you want to win. <laughs> and, and there ain't a second in the day that I'll tell you that there's anybody out there that I think – should beat me for any award. That's not true, but that's the competitive nature of it. Is that's you're the going, athlete in you too. That's, 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 that's the that's, LeVar that's, Ball yeah. saying he would beat Michael Jordan in one-on-one. <laughs> it's absolutely the most untrue thing in the world, but as a competitor, he believes that, even though the entire world goes, you're out of your mind for believing uh-huh. that. It's kind of like, it's that level of like, when you don't win, you're like, well, man, like, I really thought I was going to get that one. You know, really thought that one was going to drop for me or whatever. You know, and it's okay. It's, but it's okay to, you know, you, everybody wants to be the best. I think when you get to a certain level, it's like, at least I do, 
You know, when it comes to music, I want to be the best. But know? was there was there part of you, Luke, that as you and, and by the way, I, I, I was joking with, with Stephen because we were talking about doing this last night at work. And I was joking like Bob. I lost to Bob Costas and Ernie Johnson. These guys are legends and I'm lucky enough to call them friends. But I was kidding around like, man, f- Ernie Johnson. Like, <laughs> and by the way, he's the nicest person in the world. Yeah. And I don't mean that. But yeah. in that moment, you're like, yeah. Ernie's won this. Like, I, I, I'm out there trying my best every damn night. Like, I want to win that thing. And right. I don't feel bad that I feel like I want to win it. But I, there's part of me that thinks, man, I get to do this for a living. To, to be mad about not winning an award is kind of idiotic. And given yeah. where you yeah. came from to that moment, did, was there part of you in 2018 or whatever that realized, all right, I wanted to win, but, man, I already have one. Is, is that a, kind of a way you felt? Absolutely, man. I mean, I, to me, it's the biggest award there is is, is having fans and, and being able to, you know, fill up an arena full of folks is – so, you know, something way more important to me than any award could ever mean to me. Um, because one, I've got 40 or 50 or 60 employees that I've continued to pay a full salary throughout the length of this pandemic because of my awesome ass fans. That's why there's no award on my shelf that's putting food in some of my best friends, children's mouths. You know right what I mean? On. So right on. that to me is the only thing that's worth being proud of is having fans, treating them right, making sure that they have the experience that they deserve, getting new music on a consistent basis. And whether that stacks up with some award show's view of success or not, Mm -hmm. it may piss me off, but it's irrelevant because I'm still able to go out and do the work and get the fans into the seats and be able to pay my guys. and, And I was smart. That was a goal of mine is I knew it was, hey, save money because if something ever goes wrong, I want to be able to take care of my guys. And my fans have allowed me to do that. And so really that's the only thing that is important to me is making sure that, that they get the product that they deserve. Um, Luke, you tried out for The Voice, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. You made it a couple rounds yep. and they gave you a note that said, quote, not interesting enough. Is that? Yeah, what I don't think it was like it wasn't exactly that. You know, okay. it wasn't the exact verbiage, but it was essentially that in a lot nicer of a way. Yes. How much? How did that make you not advancing there compared to the Grammy? I don't think it was. I think I was more mad about the voice thing, honestly. <laughs> okay. Because then I then, that was my first time feeling like, well, then it's not really about the music, then, is it? You know what I mean? Like that was the first. You know, and I found that to be true in a lot of different yeah. vessels in the music industry. It's kind of like, well, if I'm not interesting enough to be in your thing or I'm not the interesting choice, what are like we doing? That here? doesn't stack up to me. Then the validity of whatever you're trying to do is lost on me at that point. Do you watch the voice? Yeah, no, I don't. I don't I mean, okay. No. I don't need. I've never seen it. I don't. I, no disrespect. I'm sure uh, we talk a lot show. of gambling, and just goes to my theory that the voice is fixed. That's that. That's <laughs> I don't my know whole if thing. It's fixed. I don't think it's fixed. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. It's like. Okay. I don't know if it's fixed. I mean, I know. Listen, I know Blake, and, and he's awesome guy, funny guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he's been a judge in there for a long time, and um, man, it's I. I do understand like wanting to go and do that. I do understand because I went. I mean, I went. Yep. I'm yeah. not a guy that's going to sit here and go, well, I'm singing shows. Don't do nothing for you. You know, <laughs> like I definitely think there is, you know, ways to do it that are maybe more effective in the long run. Okay. Sure. Like you know? I, I, I got to imagine you had to be kind of like I read you were the only boy in the group that had to make you a little nervous, didn't you? And then you ended up advancing out of that group. Yeah, it was like so the way it ran was like it's like a I would call it like a cattle call like audition so Uh like it's in atlanta there are people that do get like preferred auditions i I believe that was really at my maybe that's american idol i'm not really sure but it's like it at at at, around that time 2008 2010 you know it was like if you had some sort of social media presence and they were aware of you then they would hit you up and say hey if you audition for the show like we'll just you can just skip the, you know, you don't have to go to 
yeah. Kansas City and sit at the <laughs> you know Arrowhead Stadium for 20 hours or whatever. You know what I mean? Kind yeah. of thing. And so I went to that thing in Atlanta, and I mean I was there all day. And it was just this massive, you know, I mean, massive convention center with these giant, you know, ballrooms we were sitting in, just chairs, you know, lined up full of people. Oh, uh, something yeah. that would give you tremendous anxiety in the pandemic times, for sure, if you would have seen it. <laughs> yeah. um, but you sit there for hours, and then you go into a room. There was 10 rooms, I believe, of producers, mm-hmm. and you just kind of – whichever room you ended up in was whichever room you ended up in. And you were just with the 10 people that you were standing in line with or whatever. Wow. You go in and you get to sing like, it's like 30 seconds or something. And they judge you essentially based off of that. Wow. And then you, you know, either stay or go based off that, you know? Yeah. And now you're doing, uh, now you're, now you're doing, I mean, it's Garth Brooks type stuff that you're doing with the number ones and the sellouts. I mean, it's, it's really rare air that you're existing in at the moment. I just, I kind of circling back to where we started with this whole thing. It's, you know, it, I forever after all, and better together. Those most recent number ones. I mean, just whatever you're putting out, like people are ravenous. Your fans are just, whatever it is, it's just one upper deck shot after another. And yeah. I, I read something. You, I don't know if I'm getting this right enough. I'm not, please correct me. Your dad tell you something about the idea of like when things are going good, like just don't question the idea of when things yeah. are going. Yeah. Is that, is that it? I think that was, I think that prop, that advice probably pertained to uh, the fairer sex when I was a younger man, I'd be like, Hey, you know, this girl kind of thing. And he'd be like, well, I mean, if it's working, just don't ask questions. You oh, know? there you go. Yeah. Well, just don't ask why it's working. Nope. Just let it work. And just, well, you know? And and your wife Nicole, right? She's she. You were together before you were the guy everybody knew your name, right? Oh, for sure, yeah. And and the, and and I just find it so interesting that hurricanes would change your life, and you guys get married this August, and you guys damn near got impacted by a hurricane, didn't you? <laughs> yes, we almost got. I mean, we it was like it was day up. It was game day. You know, it was game time decision of like the day that we got married. We were unsure of the venue the morning that we woke up. To get married wow you know it was but either you got, be you got the good one i saw the pictures you guys are on the beach yeah. it all worked out yeah it worked out no it definitely worked out man we got lucky and that that storm missed by 60 miles or something which you were talking in ocean terms is not a very long way <laughs> It's not very long way. Man. I saw the I saw the cake. I mean, you got beer never broke my heart. It's one of the number ones. Like, did Miller like they made a wedding yeah. cake out of a beer can? They sent that cake. That was like rehearsal dinner cake. Everybody thought that was our wedding cake. It wasn't. Okay. Um, it was well, I was like gonna say that's that's as, that's as red as it gets, my guy. It's, it's definitely is, man. Uh, definitely, definitely no, red. That's okay. I mean, yeah. hell, it's it, it's it's it, it's one of your hit songs and all. Now, this whole thing, Luke. This whole conversation, which I'm grateful for, um, was born out of me hearing one song of yours. Mm-hmm. And that song is Even Though I'm Leaving. And for folks that haven't heard it, this is the point in the podcast where you should put this on pause and go listen to that song. And if you're somebody like my guy Steve and me, both of whom have lost our dads, there's something about it that, like Luke, the first, I don't know, 50 times I heard it, I couldn't get through the end of it without crying my eyes out. I just couldn't. And it's about, it's about the idea of your dad always being with you, even when he's not with you. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I wonder is, has that, I mean, has that song maybe more than, more than any other, or maybe it's not, has it connected with people that have reached out to you in a way to let you know how much it's meant to them more than anything else you've done? Yeah, definitely, man. I mean, as far as, as far as stories, you know, in meet and greets with fans and fans reaching out on social media and, you know, things that my team makes me aware of that they've seen on the internet, that song definitely from an emotional standpoint um, and a sentimental standpoint for folks, I think has meant more. Um, That's, but that's in a different vein than I do have a lot of fans reach out about forever after all beautiful, crazy, better together. That's kind of like, to me, the trilogy of like me and my wife's story, like beautiful, crazy is kind of like when we met, we first met and then it was better together, which was, you know, I'm, I, when I wrote that, you know, we weren't 
engaged yet. It was like, man, I, you know, I, you know, I'm about to propose kind of thing. That was, the right. deal. And I, you know, so I, we wrote that one. And then, you know, right when we moved into our house together before we got married, it was like, then it was forever after all kind of thing. You know what I mean? So it's sure. kind of, that has meant a lot to a lot of fans because they have incorporated those things into their relationship. But even though I'm leaving is without a doubt, the most impact. And I think people can relate to the love songs. And I think that they can appreciate that you wrote that for her, but people can relate to the idea of what somebody means. Yeah. You're better when you're sitting right here like that. Like people get that, but just, it's just, it's one line, Luke. And I told you this and and, because I was one of those guys reaching out to you on social media. My dad had been ill and, and in the song, the, the, the father tells the son, um, it's okay, boy, I ain't scared. And right. I, I get teared up right now, just hoping my dad wasn't scared in the end. Yeah. And I just, when you're sitting down and you're writing and whether you wrote it or you're, you're in conjunction with other people, like, do you, do you know when a line or a song is going to land like a bomb like that? Do you have any sense of it? I think, yeah, I think a little bit you do. I mean, I uh-huh. don't think you can ever understand because I think at that time, the time when I wrote that, I mean, that was my first write with, white Durrett and ray and it was like i don't think you ever have that much of a clue sure <laughs> but I boy i i think i told you this um when i drive my boys home from school we listen to songs yeah. and they called that song your song i want to hear your song daddy and because yeah. they know how much i love it and that mm-hmm. song and a song by sturgill simpson called all around you which features the line um uh and long after I'm gone, I'll still be around, right? Yeah. Um, and and it's it seems kind of crazy because my kids are little. Like, my boys are little. Because I lost my daddy, like, I just want them to understand, like, that we're always together. And long after I'm gone, I'll still be around. So right. that your, your song and that song have, have, like, they've just meant so much to me. And so just the opportunity to tell you how much I appreciate it is something that I'm glad I get a chance to do. Because I think I speak for millions of people who feel that way. Yeah, man. Well, one, I appreciate it. I mean, that's what, as a songwriter, that's what you're going for is like to have that impact on someone and be able to touch them with something that's, you know, cause I'm lucky enough to still have my dad around, you know, knock on wood. Uh, Don't take a, that for granted. Don't you know, take that no, for granted. No. And um, you know, so I'm, I'm very lucky in that sense. And um, the way that that song came to be was, you know, uh, you know, dear friend of mine, Wyatt Durrett, who I've written, a couple great songs with and um that was our first write together with with my uh, our buddy ray fulcher and um who i also have written a ton of great songs with um but that was our first time writing with wyatt and uh, he had written i think 13 or 14 number ones for zach brown at, at that time and uh, we had some mutual friends and i didn't have anything i mean I, hurricane wasn't on the radio i don't even think when we wrote that song and so we went over to Southern ground studios and they're kind of small, like little office they had over there and sat in like a cubicle type room um, and wrote that song. I think it took us like six hours or something. And Mm -hmm. um, the original idea came from Wyatt. He, he was like, Hey, you know, my son is about to graduate from high school and I want to write him a song to let him know that I'm always going to, that I'm always there for him. You know what I mean? Sure. Like no matter what kind of thing. And so I don't ever think that we knew at the beginning that we were going to take it down the the road that we did at the end of the song, you know? And I think, um, you know, honestly, the verse we struggled with the most was the middle verse, you know, was like where, how, where, the, where he goes off to be in the service. Right. Yeah. And so that was like, because I don't ever want to be the guy that says, Oh, well, I'm, you know, I've never been in the service. I have a, you know, load of respect for anybody who has been but i've never been for sure and i don't you know i don't ever want people to think when i'm writing that well i've been there and i know what that feeling's like i don't think that you have to be as a songwriter have been through every situation that you write about you know i always heard a quote that says a good writer can make you feel something that they've been through and a great writer can make you feel something that they've never been through wow that's the difference as far as you know and so we, it was like, we always at my, in my head at the time, I was like, well, do we make it like the kids? Cause Wyatt wanted this song to be, you know, kind of his ode to his son. And, and I was like, but we can't make it be, 
your kid going to college. Like that's not the same impact of like your child being, you know, going off and, you know, into the war is such a more impactful situation than going 45 minutes down the road. Right. But so, so that line, like there's a big old plane that's going to take me far away. So, so I think I I know what that means, but, but that can be metaphorical for anyone, right? We we could be, so to your point as a writer, like I I read that as the guy's going off to serve and, you know, maybe you're going to be in harm's way or whatever else. But again, as a writer, you leave that open to my interpretation. Yeah. Um, I think Sturgill saying that, you know, knowing your heart, we're always together. And long after I'm gone, I'll still be around. That's, that's, that's real. Like that, I, I, I say that to my boy and they get it. And mm-hmm. I can say to my boy, just because I'm leaving doesn't mean that I won't be right by your side. They know what that means. Like, I'm going to bed, okay? But if you get scared, I'm here. I'm like, here the, for I, you. Right. The, I, so I, th- I feel like that song, and, and, and like, I mean, this is getting heavy, but like we, we went to, to, to my father's uh, s- spot in the cemetery uh, over the weekend. Mm-hmm. And um, like I say to my little guy all the time, I'm like, who's my guy? He says, me. I say, how long? He says, forever. And we were leaving the cemetery the other day. And I said to him, I said, you know how I know that that's true? And I said, because because my daddy's still my guy forever, you know, and he's been gone for a long time. And I just for someone that hasn't been through it, Mm. for you guys to capture the essence of it again, man, I don't want to belabor the point, but I'm just I'm just grateful uh, for that song because because that opened the door to, to your music. And I've found all these other things that I enjoy, too, like not just not just this sad song. Um. I don't know. I mean, I just think that I think your story is remarkable um, and, and the, 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 the hits just keep on coming. And uh, I'm I'm happy for you. I, I just hope as this year comes to a close that you uh, have many, many more things to remain grateful for. Yes, sir, man. I will. And, and uh, you know, I'm honored to be here, man. I'm a huge, huge fan of yours, man. And, and what do you want to ask Scott? You know, you got some questions for him. Oh, dude. Come on. I got a million questions. Come on. Fire. Let's go. First got off, how about that game last night? Was, do you think? Do you think Lamar went poop? I, I, man, he could have. That could be solid. That could be a solid. We just talked about Steve losing our dads, and ten seconds later, you're asking if Lamar went poop. But that's fine. Let's keep it going. Yeah, let's go. I think that he probably was a hell of a game, man. That was a hell of a game last night. I think he probably did. He had that little sideways strut that we've all had. You show me a man oh. that hasn't had a, a moment where he has to find a toilet. I'll show you someone that. Uh, hasn't lived well, he had cramps, to poop dude. you know he had cramps no he didn't he had to take a you can't run with cramps yeah <laughs> that sideways waddle <laughs> was telling yeah it was incredible now i don't do you ever bet on a game man you know i don't i don't okay. I, i'll bet on games with friends you know like okay like so my uh my one of my band members rob dear friend of mine we've written a lot of great songs together um he's a huge duke basketball fan yeah oh, god I'm a Carolina basketball fan. Oh, God. You know, I like Rob. Are and um, well, here's the interesting thing about Rob. He's gonna be so embarrassed. Oh yeah, let me bring this out here. So this, let me explain this to you. So, do you remember the uh, Zion sneaker game? Absolutely. Sneaker uh-huh. game? Of course. We were, uh, I believe, we were in Orange Beach, Alabama. We were playing a show there at the amphitheater at the Wharf on Orange Beach. Sold out show. That was the night of the Duke Carolina game. Uh, I believe that was the first time Zion was going to play Carolina. I believe that's yes. the first game. Yes, it was. Um, but anyways, me and Rob, so I was uh, going to have to go to the ACMs uh, at that at that time in April, I believe it was. And this is so this is probably February, March or January, mm-hmm. probably. Um, and so we bet. I said, hey, if Carolina beats Duke, you have to buy me, me a custom suit to go to the <laughs> ACM awards. And I was so confident in the heels at that particular time, which I probably shouldn't have been looking back based off of the team that Duke had that year. Um, I said, I'll buy you a Rolex if, if, the, if Duke beats Carolina, which is a high possibility. And maybe it was an arrogant bet, okay? Well, However, well, bet. <laughs> One of my favorite parts of the story is that Rob was actually a student at the University of North Carolina. Oh. But is a Duke fan, which is interesting. So I still have here framed a check for $1,500 from Rob Wilford that I never cashed. 
right here. Because you, you don't need because you don't need the money. You just wanted his signature. <laughs> That's not what it's about, Scott. That's yep. not about the money. It's about the bragging rights. Okay. Hell yeah. So I'm not a man that bets money. I bet experiences. I feel like. So I, I had to go vegan three months for a bet. Oh God. So it's now, more like wow. I'm not into how, betting fifty dollars. It's like how hard, I how hard was that? I made it sixty days, and then tapped out. And Did then you, you you bought out of the bet, you rich son of a gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't buy out, but I, I bet with my keyboard player, and I was like, what are you going to do, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm going to have a burger. What are you going to do? I'm having some – well, I ended up in the Florida Keys, and I was like, I'm not not having fish in the, in the Florida Keys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like 60 days was a lot longer than I thought I would make it, you know, anyways. And That's so, a hell of an effort. It was. He, he was going to have – so he's, he shaves his head, uh, and he um, – and so he doesn't he doesn't grow great hair if he were to grow it in. So the bet was he was going to have to grow his hair out for three months and not be able to wear a hat on stage at the shows. Oh, like some high stakes. It's some high stakes. Look, like it's like we'll bet with guy like you got to walk out on stage and this thing or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're yeah. talking to two guys, Luke, who obviously you know don't have any damn hair. And if I had to let my hair grow out for 90 days, it would I I wouldn't go on television. There's no chance. <laughs> the I, there's no yeah. chance yeah. I would go on TV with yeah. that horrible Ben Franklin. Oh yeah. my God, that's way worse than going. I'd rather go vegan for three months and then yeah. grow your hair out. And that's way the worse. I think that's what I enjoy more. It's not like, you know, to me, and and I guess we're we're joking now, but like it never kind of has been about the money for me. Like I don't do music because it's like i wanted to be rich that's not mm-hmm. why i did it mm-hmm. you know what i mean that was never a goal for me um and so when it comes to betting man i'm not a guy that's like man i'm gonna bet 10 grand and flip it into this like it's just that doesn't do anything for me mm-hmm. it's more like a like a like a laugh with your friends or a memory with my friends is worth tenfold what any amount of money could do for me you know what i mean like for what's, sure. What's ten thousand dollars going to do to make me happy, man? And I understand that that's all in a perspective of where you're at in your life. I would rather take that ten thousand dollars and donate it to a charity that can use it. You know what I'm saying? So, in a lot of ways, it's for me. It's about you know having those laughs and saying, "Yeah, I remember when you had to let your hair grow out for three months or what, <laughs> well, the older, whatever it was." You know, and all, everything you're saying makes sense. We're just asking because the way that game ended on on Monday night was just a guy took a safety on the last play and it was a bad <laughs> beat. And oh, blah, blah, blah. it was dude, cat- I, catastrophic. Immediately thought bad beats. The second it happened, I was like, "Okay, if this isn't the number one thing of the year, potentially, <laughs> pretty bad." <laughs> But so we came on and I just shrugged when our show came on because there's really sometimes you say nothing by you say (laughs) nothing which says everything. So that's where we started. Right. Um, Anything else? Any any other sports stuff? Because you're a sports fan. Hit him up. Come on. You might have stuff to do. We've been talking for a while. Dude, listen, I got I think I got six hours to my next. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't, but I'm happy to answer any questions you have about anything. Go. I, I do have some I do have some some Panthers related questions all right. i think what do you maybe you guys have some insight on this at all but like oh what is it t- i mean i just don't know what it takes man like what does it take to get there like what is it like you get to the super bowl is such a monumental task yep me and my buddies were looking up the other day like super bowl winning quarterbacks there's not that many dude no like, there's like there's not 25 guys that have ever even won it and some of so, those guys have won it four times. You look at Bradshaw's won it four times. Brady's won it, what, six times or a thousand yep. times or whatever it is. <laughs> so it's like, as a, it's like we've gotten there twice. And it just, I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if it's ever going to happen again, dude. You okay. know? Let me, let me talk you off the ledge as a fan. Yeah, please do. First yeah. of all, you know, that the NFC South is the most topsy-turvy division in football because one – one, okay, the Saints – here's one thing. Much like the Patriots are transitioning post-Brady, the Saints are going to transition post-Breeze because they got so much sunk money in this year that they, they're crushed against the cap. So, like, they're kind of all in for right now. You should have a chance. Brady's 43 years old. Okay, he. I understand that he's he's Benjamin Button and he's getting younger. He, he's not old. He's refusing to age. 
but that's not going to be that long a window either. And Matt Ryan's been at it for quite a long time in Atlanta. He's not close to done. But my point is, I think New Orleans is about to be somebody different post-Brady. I think, uh, excuse me, post-Breeze. Tampa's not going to have Brady for long. So I don't know if Teddy's your guy or not. Yeah. But in McCaffrey, you got one of the best players in the game. Rule is a program builder. Okay, that yes. guy won it. Without a doubt. Temple. He Without won it Temple, which yeah. you can't do. And mm-hmm. he won it Baylor post sort of scandal. He is right. a guy that, like, he will be – he'll build a winning culture. But you ask, like, is it ever going to happen? It's such a coin flip, Luke, to win anything, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It is so damn hard to win anything. So I'm kind of saying you might, but you might not. Right. That's no, probably not it. the answer you want. No, I appreciate the answer. I appreciate the honesty. And I, I listen. I'm I'm on the rule train. I'm in on that okay. because I'm aware of his track record of turning things around, which I love. You know, I love that. Um, I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm a Tepper guy yet. I don't know. I think an owner you can't tell for ten years, really. You know, I. I mean. That's he's a, a smart, rich, he's a smart, rich, smart, rich guy. And, and I think smart enough to know what not what he doesn't know. I think I don't know that for sure. But that's yeah. what you want. Look, I, I root for Washington. We've had an owner, you know, that's meddled in everything. And, and that's you can't have that because that, that never works. You can't put right. your finger in the soup, man. Stay out of the kitchen. I like Teddy, man. I, I think he's a good guy. I like his character, man. And I, I think he's a player. But when I heard, I heard a stat the other night that he's we've been in seven games this season where he had the ball in his hand to go down and win the game. And we've lost all seven of those games. Sly missed a couple kicks, right? So you, for I sure. Mean, now, for now, sure. now, yeah. now Sly missed the best like, player. Who? Teddy. What do you say? McCaffrey. Oh, that's true. Yeah. They, don't, they don't have their best player. The one thing you're going to have to worry about is you're going to probably lose uh, Joe Brady. Cause that guy's going to take whatever job he wants. You think he's going to get a head coaching job? Yeah. For I sure. Do. This year? Yes. Oh yeah. No way, dude. All right. All right. I know Listen. you. I know you're. Not, you're not afraid of betting. So yeah, I ain't betting you. No I also know you. Suit. I also know you'll only. You'll only do two thirds of your bet. <laughs> you'll tap out after sixty days. But I had sour news for you. Brady's going to get a head coaching gig, man. This soon? You think already? One yeah. year? Yeah. He's Drinkwitz in me right now. You're telling me he's Drinkwitz in me. That's he's my man. Drink for with. a season. He's teasing me, and then he's off to Missouri. You're telling me that's happening right now again to me. Yeah. 100%. Maybe it's you. Because we have <laughs> – okay. But I'm on an NFL the, uh, owner right now. Tell me why I hire Joe Brady tomorrow as my head coach. Did you see LSU's season? Did you, you see, see what LSU, LSU did last year? See LSU? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's that guy. People yeah, Saints offense guy. hasn't been good since he left either. He's that guy. Their offense hasn't been good for sure. But – Okay. And I got terrible news for you, Luke. Even though he's leaving, he's not going to be right by your side. (laughs) He's going to just be gone. He's just going to be gone? Yeah, yeah. that's that's a news. That's the next verse of that song. I I took a new job, and now now I'm gone. Sorry. Take this job and shove it. That's what you go. (laughs) No, and it's not that at all. It's not that it's it's not that he's not in a good position. It's just that, that, that the way the coaching profession works, certain guys get hot. And he's he. Oh. I think look at like look at that Kansas City game. Like they had a chance to win in Arrowhead. No, they, had, they they had a chance to win at New Orleans. I mean, and Sly's got a giant leg. I mean, making the kicks he would have had to make to win those games. Like you can't put that on Teddy that Sly couldn't make a sixty-five yard field goal. You know, and and to no Steve's point, to Steve's point, they don't have McCaffrey this year. Yeah, I feel like they've been more competitive than you had a reason to think no they doubt. should be this year. Absolutely. No I mean, for me, the season has been a win. Just what we've been – just being in games is something that I didn't think we would even be close to. I think Robbie Anderson, we saw how underutilized he was in New York this mm-hmm. year. Yeah, you know? for sure. I mean, the guy's been – I mean, quietly one of the best receivers in the league this year. Production-wise. Better than I thought. Better yeah. than I thought. I mean, sure. I was surprised. When I when we traded for him, I was like, dude, this is the guy? This is the guy that's going to no, save he, us? he could fly, man. He oh, could it's fly. unreal. He's a stick, though. I mean, yeah. he's this big, dude. Look at – I mean, <laughs> he's Mike he like Stanley. one hit on that guy. I was worried he was going to crumble. Mike the other guy Stanley? that's awesome, too, when he's healthy is Samuel. Oh, man. He, you know, he just keep, he, you got to stay healthy. That's – you know, Scott's talking about, you know, going to the Super Bowl. The whole, that, you got to be so lucky with team health, man. 
in this He's league, been, you really do. And Rule knocked it out of the park on this draft, man. I no mean, doubt. Some of these kids he drafted are just – they're balling like veterans out there. Dude. I mean, mm-hmm. Jeremy Chan is just – He's really been out of the frame. He scored back-to-back pick sixes, like, on two plays, back-to-back. Who does that? Who's your favorite Panther of all time? Oh, man, that's a really loaded question, dude. Um, I'm, you know, big Keekly guy. I feel like I loved him. I loved, um, you know, I was a Kevin Green, Sam yep. Mills guy. Wow, you know? way back. I mean, 96, man. I was six years old, living in Charlotte, met Sam Mills at a Burger King. I mean, that was like <laughs> – Dude, I'm I'm in it. Like I was born into it. There was no like, well, my dad was a you know Bears fan or whoever. It was like there wasn't a team, and then I was six years old, and there was a team. Like that's why I'm so in it. Yeah, I was living in Charlotte, going to games. Kerry Collins, you go to the NFC Championship your first year as a franchise. Like that's pretty impressive stuff, man. Like and so. I'm a you know Sam Mills obviously loved him. I still have okay. my son Sam Mills ball right in here somewhere. And picture of us little Polaroid from Burger King sitting at a Burger King table together. He's he supposed like to a, like he was supposedly awesome dude. Please tell me yeah. he was awesome oh, to you, Burger he was King. The nicest guy ever. Yeah, That's the best. You're That's just like I think we've had some gritty dudes. I mean, it's hard not to love Steve Smith. It's hard not to love yeah. Peppers. I mean, it's hard not to love Rocket Ishmael. I mean, there's so many guys. I was such a fan for so long. I mean, even the DeLome days, I was a huge DeLome guy. Mm. You want to talk about a guy that I felt like was a very Kurt Warner type dude, like kind of came from this small yeah. place and didn't really ever have a great chance. And then he lands in Carolina, he gets us to the Super Bowl, and then, you know, the Brady thing happens. So, you know, which has happened to a lot of fan bases. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people feel my pain on that one. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that we were going to hear about Sam Mills in a Burger King or get yeah. a Jake DeLome reference, but we yeah. did. Uh, I, I had I didn't know that we were going to chat as long as we did, but I'm I'm sincerely grateful for your time because Likewise, this has been this has been a long time coming. Um, I, I appreciate my boy Marty Smith for turning me on to to the artist that is you, but I just connect more just with the idea of a dude. Like to me, I I feel like you're one of us. You know, just a guy who's out there grinding, doing his thing appreciates his fans, appreciates his success, and that's what this is about, man. May it, may it continue. Um, all the best to you. Uh, be, I'm just going to say in 21 and beyond, I, it, all you got to do is just keep doing what you're doing, man. Stay healthy. Know. And uh, I hope that the arenas are filled soon with you out there singing to your people. And uh, when you come our way, let's uh, let's try to connect. because Absolutely. I want to sit backstage and hoot and holler. Yep, right on, dude. I'm in. Once again, our thanks to superstar Luke Combs, and he is that. And – how cool is it that he was told he didn't look the part? And he's like, no, no, I look the part. He looks the part. He is the part. And what a good dude. Just a massive sports fan. Uh, a fun, fun conversation with him. We appreciate very much his time. And we wish him, as we said, uh, continued success. It's just one number one hit after another. He's got uh, the grease hot, as they say. On the way out, I want to remind you guys to check out Steve's other podcast. He's a busy little boy, that Steve. Stanford Steve and the Bear. You need winners? They've got them. Download and subscribe to Stanford Steve and the Bear and SV Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you on Sports Center night, and we'll see you back here next week. SV Pod. Be good.